First of all, it's good to be back. Uh, I was in Navy training the past month at the chaplain school in Rhode Island. So thank you for your prayers while I was away. I was praying for all of you and all the pilgrims who come to visit the shrine while I was away. Today's readings cover everything that our faith is directed towards. Rest, eternal rest. For our whole life is directed towards resting in God. We see in our first reading just who God is. He reveals his name to Moses in that burning bush. And in the revelation of his name, he's revealing not only what to call him, he's revealing his very essence, his very nature. And he tells Moses, when Moses asks, what should I tell the people of Israel your name is? And God replies, I am who am. I am who am. It's very strange at first glance. But what God is getting at is he is eternal. I am who am. He is being itself. All things are contained in him. All things come from him. He always was, always is, and always will be. God is being itself. That's who God is in himself. But then he also reveals a second aspect of his name to Moses. God spoke further to Moses. Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now here in the lectionary, the word Lord is in all caps. So in most English Bibles, whenever you see the word Lord in all caps, that means it's actually referring to the four letter word of Yahweh. I am who am. Out of respect for that most holy name, uh, there's that tradition of going back to even the New Testament writers to always refer to the Lord by his most holy name as simply saying Lord, or in Hebrew, Adonai. That is how the Hebrews uh, refer to God in order to respect that most holy name of God. And so we see the, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God is reminding them that he has made a covenant, covenants with their forefathers, with their patriarchs. And so that is God revealed to us. He is a God who has entered into our history, into salvation history, and is active in our salvation history, ultimately through covenants. He has made a sacred bond with us, which is unbreakable. And what is God telling Moses to say in order to get Israel out of Egypt? It is not just to be free, 
it's free freedom is part of the goal, right, for the Israelites, but for what? Well, we hear it is for worship. That is ultimately what the Israelites are freed for, that they may worship freedom freely. Freedom of worship, then, is hugely significant to God. It is not only that they might get out of their misery in Egypt, in that slavery. You know, they're toiling hard under the Egyptian sun, making bricks and building, working with back-breaking labor. God wants them to have rest, but it is so that they might rest through worship. God tells Moses to say, Thus they will heed your message. Then you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent us word. Permit us then to go a three days' journey in the desert, that we may offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. And this is the message Moses does give. But ultimately, Pharaoh keeps denying him, right? Uh, First, Pharaoh says, Just worship your Lord within the land of Egypt. You don't need to go into the wilderness to do that. But then some of the plagues come. And then Pharaoh makes another compromise. Well, only the men can go out. But the, the women and children and your, your cows and beasts, they need to stay. But then more plagues come, and eventually Pharaoh gives in, right? He allows them, everybody, to go in order that they might have that freedom to worship. And so, you know, Pope Benedict, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, in the spirit of the liturgy, He points out this in his very first chapter of his book, The Spirit of the Liturgy. The whole point of the Mass, of the liturgy, is ultimately to go and worship God. And then we find rest. Because ultimately that is what worship of God is. Resting in God, focusing completely on God, offering Him everything. And what is the best gift that we can offer God? Jesus himself. Well, how can we offer Jesus to God? Well, Jesus already did it himself on the cross. We then are called to simply offer up Jesus back to the Father. And we do that through the priest here at this altar. Through uniting ourselves to the sacrifice of the Mass, we can actually find rest. We can carry Jesus in us to God. Because ultimately, we're on a journey, just like those Israelites, to God. We're going through the desert of this earth to the promised land of heaven. And along this difficult journey, though, we're going to need rest, right? That is why God gave us the commandment. You know, all those commandments help us order our affairs rightly in a good manner. That's why God gave us the commandment to keep holy the Sabbath day. He reminds us God worked for six days and then rested. Ultimately, Sunday, the Sabbath day, is a reminder for us that the world here is not our true purpose. The world, the earth, all our activities will end. 
As Ecclesiastes says, you know, vanity of vanities. It is all pa passing, fading away like a, uh, a mere breath, like mist which you can't grab. Our true purpose is resting in God. That's why keeping holy the Sabbath day is so important. That's why it's even above those other commandments, like thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not commit adultery. Because if we can't learn to rest in God now, how do you think we will enjoy resting in God for eternity? So if we don't appreciate spending time in church, we probably won't appreciate spending time with Jesus in heaven. So ask the Lord for that grace then to enjoy spending time with him. That is why we have to ask to be purified, be purified of all desires which are not of God. It's a hard request. It's a hard thing to ask sometimes because it means we have to surrender. It means we have to say, like we say every day in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. But much fruit will come of it. And ultimately, we know it's something we want to ask because how many of us carry burdens in our life? We all carry burdens. We all experience difficulties. We are all carrying many things that maybe people in our own family don't realize that we carry. But that is why we need the Lord. If we have too much pride to say we need God, then that's our choice. And it is one that will last forever, eternally, if we are so full of pride that we can't say, Lord, I need you. But if we are humble, like Jesus, who is meek and humble of heart, and come to him, then we will find rest. We will be refreshed. And that's what Jesus offers us with his timeless invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. He's here at every Mass. For the past 2,000 years, he has come and renewed his very presence, his real presence at Mass. He gives himself to us that we come to rest in him especially in Holy Communion. If we have prepared worthily and are in the state of the grace, he yearns for our company in Holy Communion. And we can take him on. We receive him. And in a sense, that is how we carry Jesus. Jesus becomes yoked to us in Holy Communion. And his burden is light indeed. It is refreshing. And he, if we carry Jesus with us throughout the day when we receive Holy Communion, then all our other burdens are lightened. They become doable. They become manageable. And also in the Eucharist then, Jesus also invites us to come to him in adoration. So even after Mass, Jesus will still be reserved in the Blessed Sacrament in our tabernacle, in all tabernacles of Catholic churches. And there he is, waiting throughout the day, still extending this timeless invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. 
if we seek rest, if we are experiencing many difficulties in life, if we have many questions, what should I do here, what should I do there, if we're begging the Lord for wisdom and prudence in handling certain matters, if we just simply are exhausted and tired, well then go to Jesus in the Eucharist. He is there. He is saying, come to me and I will give you rest. Why are so many churches empty when we are also seeking rest? In our churches, our Catholic churches, there is the most precious source of rest, that source of rest which will be the only source of rest that will last forever, and it is Jesus himself. He is there waiting. You know, we hear how often People say, you know, we're lonely. Well, think of the loneliness Jesus experiences throughout the day, waiting for people to come, just to say hello. So even if you're passing a church, you can always greet Jesus. Uh, you know, my parents taught me to make the sign of the cross as I pass a church, you know, almost kind of like a military officer saluting another officer, right? But also as a way of, you know, just greeting the Lord, you know, even if it's a simple little, uh, simple little message to the Lord that you have. But also, remember one of my uh, teachers said, the nuns always taught her to, to make, a, make a visit, make a little visit. And even a two-minute visit into a church can offer that refreshment you needed for the day. Ultimately, rest in God. That is the goal. That is how we will get through this life, through this journey, through our desert here. But it is ultimately our goal in heaven where we will have complete rest in God. Just like uh, the Last Supper, you know, we, we know Saint John, the evangelist, the youngest apostle, he rested on Jesus' chest, on his breast, and simply just laid his head on Jesus' heart, that meek and humble heart. And Jesus shows that humility of his heart, especially in the Eucharist, for Almighty God humbles himself to come under the appearance of bread. And there, St. John was safe. There, he was saved from the snares of the evil one. And perhaps that is why he was the only one who did not succumb to that temptation to flee when Jesus was crucified. And that safety is also shown that, you know, in tradition says St. John the Evangelist was the only apostle who actually ended up not being martyred. He was considered a white martyr because he did offer himself. Tradition says that he was put in a pot, a cauldron of boiling oil, but he did not die, and that is when uh, the Romans exiled him to the island of Patmos, which was providential because that is where he received that revelation to write the apocalypse, the, the book of Revelation. But there's something to that, in that St. John showed that not only will you find rest, but even safety from the prowling evil one. There you can rest secure. There is no greater security than resting in Jesus. 
and that security will last forever if we truly aim to find our rest in God. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.